Hi there, and welcome to the special podcast for Tabletop Gaming Magazine. I'm Johnny Crawford, and this is the first of a four-part series on the history of tabletop gaming. I myself am a big fan of gaming. I like the idea of being able to sit down, socialise, enjoy playing a well-thought and designed game. They may only be meant for fun, but they still let me exercise that competitive tendency of mine. I'm also interested, however, in the stories behind these games. As having a keen interest in history, I like to know where things come from and the stories behind them. So in this series, we're going to be exploring the backgrounds behind some of the best-loved games. So if you're like me and have an interest in knowing the stories behind the games you're playing, then I believe this series might be right up your street. Each podcast will be taking a look at games that fall under the tabletop umbrella. So in the future, we'll be looking at the likes of card and role-playing games. However, in this podcast, we're going to be taking a look at the early origins of one of the world's oldest and most loved board games, chess. Including in this podcast, I spoke to historian Pat Cullen and two-time British chess champion Gawain Jones. So here's a little taste of what's to come. Chess is a game that it's not originally a European game. It starts off in India. It um, starts to spread west from there when um, the Arabs conquer Persia, what's now Iran. I think chess is becoming more popular again. Um, the internet has actually been very good for chess. It's a fantastic medium. We're spoilt, really, because every day there's chess going on somewhere around the planet that you can watch online, a lot of it with good commentary. Without further ado then, let's get on with the podcast. Now while I try my best to educate on chess, we're only going to be looking at a small slice of the board games which were around in medieval Europe. If you are interested in learning of any of the games from around that time, I'd recommend the book Sports and Games of Medieval Cultures by Sally Wilkins, which brilliantly lists all the known games played during this period, with a short description on the rules and the history now though, let's take a look at medieval Europe. The sports and games which were played were likely to have occurred naturally from the activities of the people. The likes of jousting and archery competitions were played to maintain the soldiers' skills, while during the long winter months, board games became a welcome distraction from the bitter cold. Through conquering, trade and travel, civilizations like the Romans and Vikings left behind their pastime entertainments for the people to learn and play. However, it was neither the Romans or Vikings which introduced one of today's most beloved board games. It is widely acknowledged that chess originated from Asia, and in particular from an Indian game named Chaturanga. We can date Chaturanga from around the 6th and 7th century AD, but how exactly then did it come to be the more familiar medieval game? I spoke with historian Pat Cullen from the University of Huddersfield about the development of chess and the reasons for its differences to its Indian counterpart. Chess is a game that um, it's not originally a European game. It starts off in India. It starts to spread west from there when um, the Arabs conquer uh, Persia, what's now Iran. Um, they find chess being played um, and go, oh, right, this is rather good. Um, so it's, it spreads into the Arab world and from there it spreads into Europe. Um, and there are ways in which it's um, adapted along the way. So my understanding is that in the Indian context, um, the queen isn't always a queen, isn't always a female figure. Um, it's, a, it's an advisor, which can be female, but I suspect often isn't. It's only when you come into uh, 
they're adapted in the in the European context that you get the king and queen as a pair, which may say something about um, the greater prominence of queens as um, as advisors to kings in in Western society. Um, there are other other things. So the the piece that looks like a a castle wasn't originally a castle, and indeed the name for it, a rook, um, actually comes from an Arabic word rook, um, and apparently that was originally a um, a chariot. So it was a piece that moved quite a lot around. Um, the board, but the castle is um, again a more European figure. Um, bishops, of course, are very clearly Christian uh, figures, and my understanding again is that um, in uh, the original uh, Indian game, they were um, they were elephants, so they were war pieces, and um, so we can see that the way that the figures have. Um, uh, changed and altered says something about um, the way that they go through a process of kind of cultural adaptation and appropriation um, as they as they move west and to some extent north. So we've learned that chess altered the themes and individual pieces of Chaturanga to convey a more familiar image of medieval Europe. Through chess we can see how the feudal system of the Middle Ages has been conveyed onto a board game. Take for example the pawns which represent peasants or regular infantrymen, and they are the inferior subjects to the laws and clergymen which are behind them. While we can view the social hierarchy of chess by observing the board, it doesn't objectively tell us who was playing the game during this time. So I asked Pat, who in medieval Europe would have most likely been seen playing chess? It's a very aristocratic game. You do find other people playing it, but it, it, it is primarily an aristocratic game. And that seems to be the primary context in uh, Western and Southern Europe. Um, there's some uh, suggestion that it might originally have been a game that was designed for teaching strategy. It was a kind of military game. Um, there's at least one medieval text which says, you know, the medieval knight must be able to play chess. This is very important. As I previously mentioned, chess certainly wasn't the only game during medieval Europe. However, it is the one which has survived through the ages with a strong popularity. And still in the 21st century, with all the other fierce competition of board games, it is regularly played. I was interested to know why this was the case, so to help maybe give me a better understanding of this, I spoke to someone who plays chess for a living, two-time British chess champion, Gawain Jones. I asked Gawain why he thought chess was still so popular, and how it's unique to all the other board games around. Yeah, I think the fact that chess has infinite variations uh, means that you're never playing the same game again. Because um, I play a lot of other games too, and they're fun to play two or three times, but then you start to tire because you figure out the best way to play it. But chess has got such uh, you know, huge variations in it that can keep me interested in continuing to play for a Hopefully a whole lifetime. Gawain also told me of how chess had branched out into a multimedia game, and now this has benefited to its increased popularity. Chess is becoming more popular again. Um, the internet has actually been very good for chess. It's a fantastic medium. We're spoilt, really, because every day there's 
chess going on somewhere around the planet that you can watch online, a lot of it with good commentary. Uh, you can play chess on lots of different websites 24 hours a day. So I think that's really helping bring chess back into more of a mainstream. If you compare chess in England to other countries, we're still struggling for the infrastructure. Um, I think we're starting to get better for that. It's been about 10 years now we've had a big tournament in London, which I think is really changing things. So in this podcast, we've looked at chess and its continued popularity. What influence does it have on the board games of today? I think one of the prominent features chess has carried over is the hierarchy of pieces and the differences in strengths they have. I can think of a number of games which have used this idea for their own gameplay. It's a really effective model, which makes us think of the importance of individual pieces and questions the risks we take when playing. Why, in my opinion then, do I think chess has remained an ever-present game? Well, to echo some comments made by Gawain, chess has an infinite number of variables in which the game can be played, making no two games the same. This is a really important aspect of any game, as one which becomes too repetitive may lose the attention of the player sooner than it wants to. Also due to the age of chess, it's become well established and respected throughout many societies. Many people who don't play other board games know of and may well have played chess. It is the game judged by skill rather than luck, which in a way makes it a prestigious honour to be good at the game. Other games from history and in the present day often involve luck within their mechanics, which is no criticism of the game, but may well still be a factor as to why it's not as revered as chess. But I'd like to hear some of your opinions. Do you play chess? Why so? Why do you think it remains significant today? If you'd like to share any thoughts on the subject or the podcast in general, then please leave a message on the comment sections below. The next podcast in this series will be looking at the history of playing cards and how they have evolved into games with some weird and wonderful themes. I'm Johnny Crawford and thanks for listening. <laughs>